0: of Jesus. We're just going to take a moment and just say by it on our own. Amen. Amen. You know, it is a beautiful, beautiful picture when we're talking about the topic of death and people can celebrate. That's a biblical response. We, we, We are saying whatever surrounds us However devastating, we will still lift up the banner of the name of Jesus. We will lift up a song in the midst of the war. In the face of death, we will continue to declare, Jesus is Lord. Jehovah, the Pamisa, the and the house, Oh, the house, and 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 the house, To the house, and the house, and the house, to the house, and courage under pressure. This is our inheritance in Christ Jesus. To be indwelled by the spirit of power, of love and a sound mind. We want to thank you, Jesus. We want to thank you, my God. This morning, joy fills our hearts this morning, Lord. To lift up the name of Jesus. To say, Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy of our honor and glory and power and adoration. Blessed be the name. Won't you just give Jesus hands of praise in this place? Bless the name of Jesus. And if you are visiting us for the first time, won't you just wave where you are? If you're visiting us for the very first time, you are so welcome in Jesus' name. Amen. Want to welcome you and bless in the name of Jesus. Can we just appreciate our music team as well as they take their seats? Amen. Amen. And we just take our seats as well jesus is lord amen. amen it's good to finish the the talk on living to die and dying to live uh, with you in attendance amen i hope you've been following and there's there's really been as we have been chatting on the topic a lot of stuff has been Brewing in our hearts, a lot of which we will not get time to talk about. Suffice to say that today, there's four things that even though I never get to attend to the rest of the issues that I have been brewing in my heart, I want to talk about four of the things that, remember I said, when we conclude, we will conclude about Jesus. That death does not make sense without life. But life itself does not make sense without Jesus. Because Jesus is the life. Amen. So this morning, I want us to wrap it for today on four things. One, the fact that the truest nature of death is separation from God away from Jesus Christ. You are dead, truly dead. Truly dead dead. You know, someone uh, says, I will kill you dead. Some kind of oxymoron, right? I will kill you dead. So you are dead and dead indeed when you are dead to God without Christ, meaning when you die outside Christ. That's what I want us to talk about. Number two, I want us to talk about The point that I said, I don't want to be insensitive to our pain. All of us are facing death and have been dealing with it all the time. My father is not doing very well in hospital. The doctors are saying, we just take it each day as it comes. But in our hearts, there is no sense of desperation, but a steadfast trust in Jesus. So then the second thing I want us to try and look through today is that we should not be overly concerned about physical death but spiritual death. Are you there? Thirdly that the first death as an enemy has a temporary hold on the human race. In other words I want you to be aware that the Bible says there is the first and the second death. Yet, here all around we spoke about that death is spiritual, it's physical and eternal. Right? So, a, a person dies spiritually on two levels. From the death, you experience separation as a sin of Adam. You are separated from God. We'll cover that you are dead. Right, But then you also die humanly and physically, so bodily, right? Which is what we are very concerned about. The Bible says, no, no, don't be overly concerned about death. Because post-death, there is another death. Now, the Bible is very careful not to call it the third death. Because if it called it the third death, it would import importance on physical death. But physical death has no serious consequences because their body is going to be resurrected in any case. Are you following? But there is no solution for the second spiritual death. What the Bible calls... Everyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire where the beast and the devil and death and Hades were thrown. And that's what the Bible calls the second death. So the Bible puts emphasis on two types of deaths. Spiritual separation from, this, from God through the sin of Adam. Right? And then it puts an emphasis on... On second death of eternal separation from God through your own choice. When you deny Jesus as Lord and Savior. So it is to this death that you must, two types of deaths that you must pay serious concern and attention. Are you there? So we covered number four. I had already gone ahead of myself. There are two spiritual deaths. I I spoke about that. First and second. And then. The 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 fact that the intermediate bodily death is not as important. It's hurtful, but it's not as consequential as the other two. And then I also want to talk about the two resurrections that happens to us as children of God. Amen. So one of the most important observations you must read, or rather you must make as you read the Bible is how much Jesus speaks about life and death. And more particularly about life. In other words, it would seem to me, Jesus, if we were following him carefully, we would have been overly consumed by what life is. What is the quality and the meaning of life? And that quality and meaning of life will supersede and overshadow death. Because we will know the power of life, we will know Jesus as life, we will know the quality of life here on earth, we will know life beyond the grave, we will know resurrection life, we will know life such that life for us will defeat death at every level. But since we are not overly concerned about life himself and life itself, we are Overly overwhelmed by death, the thoughts of death paralyse us. Are you there, Saint? Because the manner in which we live is not as important. You are concerned about dying, but you are not concerned about how you live. Such that death has no is, is inco- in, inconsequential to you. Death becomes a vehicle into glory for you. Are you there, Saint? Lately, I've been reading a lot about Chinese. The Chinese deal with death differently. They, they embrace death as Christians. They know that when you are a child of God, you deal with death. And they have been dying, but the church has not died. It keeps growing. But the church in our country is so afraid of death that I presume in the face of death, If it were possible, it's not possible, but if it were possible, the church in South Africa would die in the face of death. But what makes it impossible? God always has a remnant everywhere. When hundreds fear death and are going to compromise, there will be tens who will stand. And it is to those ten that we want to appeal you to be part of. Are you there? So what I want to do is look at some of the things that Jesus has said about life. And I, I'm hoping that you can glean something that you can hold on to. So that when are you are thinking about your own death or your friend has died or your parent is dying, you are able to actually say, death diminishes in power when life is exalted. i When life is magnified, death loses its grip on us. So let's start with the obvious. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We will come to that part of coming to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So life is who? Jesus. So if we say we need to magnify life so that death diminishes, Jesus must be magnified. Are you there? What I want you to observe as I read is how in every other part that Jesus mentions any other thing, he also mentions life. So he says I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are you there? Let's go to John chapter 11, after Lazarus has died, Martha comes to Jesus and she said, If you were here, my my brother would not have died. Jesus says, No, he will rise. Martha says, No, I know you will resurrect him. Because Jesus had already said that, that I will raise you on the last day. Martha says, I know you will resurrect him. Jesus says, No, I'm not talking about the last day. I'm telling you that I can defeat death at any given point it presents itself. I will defeat it on resurrection day. But even now, I am still. I am resurrection. What does he say? What is resurrection? Resurrection is the undoing of death and its power. Resurrection... It's the ability to ensure that where death had had victory and whatever brought death victory, all of that is reversed. Are you following? So Jesus says, no, 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 no. I am the one who at any given point when death has happened, I can reverse its its profits. I can reverse the gains of death. But Resurrection has to deal directly with death. But Jesus says, I'm not just the resurrection. I am the life. In other words, I am the power that undoes death, but I'm also the opposite of death. And then he explains that. He says, he who believes in me, though he may Die. In other words, this is where resurrection happens. Even if you may die, yet you shall live. Why? Because I am the resurrection. But then I'm also the life. What does that mean, Jesus? And whoever believes, whoever lives, not the one who's dead. Again, we have just spoken about the one who dies. I will resurrect him. But whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Why? Because I am what? I am life. I am the power standing in opposition of death. And I am the one who can undo the effects of death. Are you still there? Let's go to John. John chapter 6. Remember these ones, we are just reading and making an observation from verse 48, John chapter 6. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. When Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, are you not reminded uh, about the time after the 40 days when the devil came to tempt him? It's a very interesting paradox, don't you think? If you are the son of God... Turn these stones into bread. Jesus played a trick on the devil that day. He says, no, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the the mouth of God. But isn't he the word? Isn't he the bread of life? The devil didn't see that one coming, but let's leave it. He says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. Isn't he talking about bread? Isn't he talking about where life is found? Isn't he talking to someone like you and I who's always concerned about dying? He says, if you eat this bread, you will live forever. Again, he said you will never. Die. Says now you will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh which I shall give for the life of the world. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat. Unless you do what? Let's, let, let's put it into our context. Unless you feast on this way of life. Unless you are infused with the word of God. Because that's what you are supposed to eat. That's the bread of life. He says, unless you you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him. We already know why. Again, up at the last day. That's pretty much what Martha was saying. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live. I love that. I love that when Peter spoke, he says, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus says, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of the living, not the dead. God does speak a lot about life. We only pay less attention to that idea. Are you there? says, this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your father ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. So God continues to say you will live forever. That's his plan. So death, therefore, in its basic definition, we can say death is separation from. We have already spoken about its truest form. Its truest form is separation from God. But because we also have in Bodily separation from the spirit. We can also say physical death is the separation of the spirit from the body. In other words, properly adjusted. Death is a separation of the human spirit from. Because then we add from what? We say the first death is the spiritual separation of man's spirit from God the Father through the sin of Adam. Happiness. We come to physical death. We say physical death is the separation of the spirit of man from his body. Happiness. We come from eternal death or second death is the spiritual Separation or the, the separation of the spirit of man eternally from God. Does that make an easy definition? To me, it does. Are you there? So, as I had already said, therefore, death should be seen truly so as a separation of man's spirit temporarily from God here on earth. That's what? First death. Unless you get born again. And permanently, eternally, through second death. Did that make sense? Happiness. So we can continue. So all of that is spiritual death. So let's just take a quick journey of why death is more true when it is related to Jesus. So, when you read in the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 2, which we had already alluded to, in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. So, before we were formed in Christ, God promised us what? Eternal life. Again. And then, when you read in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, when you read in verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, where in Christ. I get? Listen to this part. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Where were we chosen? In Christ Jesus. To be holy. And blameless in his life. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his signs through Jesus Christ. You can read all the way. And when you get to chapter 2, which we will come to right now, but let's just jump to verse 10. In verse 10, then tells you that we are God's workmanship created way in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared before. You should start understanding that we were all purpose encompassed. All blessings encompassed. Everything of life for us was in Christ. Are you, that's what I'm saying. We struggle with death because we are wired for eternity. We are wired for eternal blessings. We are wired to be in Christ. Now the Bible then comes and says in chapter two, as God had promised in Christ, so we are in Christ. God says, "Let let's make man in our image, in our likeness." So in other words, let's take them and put them on earth. Right? Where are we in Christ? When Adam was created, was he separated? No. He wasn't separated. He was still in spirit connected to God. He was still one with God. Jesus prays that we will attain to the same reality in John chapter 17. Father, as you and I are one. You see where, what was the state of Adam? Adam was one with the Trinity. Happiness. But now, the Bible then comes, God says, in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, God says, now I tell you, where Adam, you are free to eat from every tree in the garden, but of that tree in the center of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for when you eat, you shall surely what? What is the promise? Eternal life. What is the enemy of eternal life? Death. What is the final enemy of eternal life? Eternal death. Are you there say? So Adam is told you will die. As you have read, other translations put it rightly so. In dying you shall surely die. There are lots of debates about what it means. But certainly we know from the time he ate, he was separated from God. First death first true nature of death, right? But also that his body started decaying, right? And so from that point on, how did God create man? He breathed into man, right? Hold that thought. Let's go to John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, from verse 1 to 4, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by what? By the Word. And it says, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Now listen to this part. In Him was life. Jesus is life. Right? But I love this, this contrast. It's a very nice contrast. His life and in him was life. Can you think about it? Let's play with thought a bit. If we were in him before the foundations and in him there's life. What do you think we were swimming in? Are you, are you there? So in him was life when God had made man out of the dust of the earth what did he do why because in him was life I don't know if we'll get there today but the Bible says the 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 the, it speaks of the last Adam it says when God breathed into Adam, it says, and the first Adam, the first man, became a living being or a living soul because unto him was imparted life from Christ. But it says, but the last Adam, he became a life-giving spirit. We will come to that, I hope. But uh, I hope you're getting something there. He became, that is in First Corinthians 15, 45. He became a life. Okay, let me just get there. Because I don't know if I'll ever get there. Adam did not possess life in himself. He received life from Christ. Because in Christ there was life. Right? So Adam died in sin. And he was separated from God, right? Okay, let's just read that idea. Let's read in Ephesians chapter 2. Speaking of the first death, Ephesians chapter 2, I'm reading from verse 1. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Are you hearing that? You were separated from God. And it says, In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of you, all of us, also lived among them, those who are not born again, at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Now listen to verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, what did He do? He made us alive in Christ. That is the first resurrection of a child of God. Are you hearing? I'm not going to get to that point again. But you died with Christ. Remember Romans chapter 6? When you died, what happened after that? You were resurrected with him. First resurrection. What's going to be the second resurrection? This body shall be sown as a body that decays, a natural body, a terrestrial body. But it shall be resurrected. Second resurrection. Happiness. We can jump that part again. But this is where I'm going. It says now. When you were dead in your sins. Verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves circumcised. That is done in the body by the hands of them. It says to you, you and I now. Remember that at that time when you were dead. Again, now you are resurrected. You are in Christ. You have experienced The first spiritual death, you have already experienced the first resurrection in Christ. But you are here now. Are you following? It says, at the time that you had not died with Christ. Remember that at time you were separate. Definition of death according to this. You were separate from what? From what? Excluded. It says you are separate from Christ. Why does it use the words you are separate from Christ? In my simple mind, it's because I was in Christ in the first place. That's where I was blessed when, when Adam came. When we were chosen before, we were chosen in Christ. And that is why it uses the language that when you died the first time, you were separated from Christ. Those ones we can skip, right? We have said Christ is the resurrection and the life. The life he possesses and gives to you as a believer is indestructible even when you experience bodily death. That's why he says, whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Why? Because the life that you have in you now is indestructible. But the body How can I put this in a simple way? I like the way the Bible puts it. The Bible does not use the phrase, the body dies. I don't know if you are aware of that. It uses the body is sown, or the body returns. It says, you shall return to dust from dust you came. Right? And it says, this body shall be sown. Therefore, as far as the Bible is concerned, bodily death has two things to it. The sowing of this body, which will then come back as a better body. And the unfortunate state of the one who does not know Christ. Looks like I feel like I'm closer. But then I feel like I'm far at the same time. Let's read Romans chapter 8. Let me just see. I think I'm far. In Romans chapter 8 verse 5 to 13. Are you there? Romans chapter 8 verse 5 to 13. So as I read, né, make your own observations. I will highlight where I need to highlight. It says those who live. So now, the manner of life that anyone chooses defines and dictates for them their attitude towards life and death. That's basically the theme here. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Are you there? The mind of a sinful man is what? Death. You remember last time I said, death is inevitable because we carry it in us. You remember that? That Paul says, who will deliver me from the body of death? Right? So now the Bible tells you that a sinful inclination makes you susceptible to death because of your thinking. Because you continue to think and do things that leads to death. It says love this one but the mind controlled by the spirit is what life and what Hey, was this is important if the mind controlled is life put differently it's amazing how much potential and potency God has put in man for man to inject life in himself. It says to you, your mind to you will be life and peace. Not only that, it says power, the power of life and death is on your tongue. Can you imagine how much of life is in us? But our thoughts are preoccupied with dying and therefore the abundance of our heart prophesies destruction. And yet we are so majestically, supernaturally empowered to actually infuse ourselves with life. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed that I have brought so much. I've always understood that I'm a prophet of my own life. What makes me ashamed is the idea that there is actually so much power given to me. You know, when God put man on earth, what did he say? He must rule. Dominion. And to think that God has restored that, he says, it is in your mind, in your mind. It is in your heart and in your mouth. Listen. Watch. Over your heart diligently. Because out of it. There's so much life in us. We are so preoccupied with destructive thoughts. Anyway. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature. Father, I pray that would be true with me. If the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, listen to that, is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. That is second resurrection. Again. We spoke about the resurrection when we died in Christ. Now, this talks about the resurrection in who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. Verse 13, that's the part I really want. My time is finished. Can you believe it? So, what do we do with that? We continue. You sure? You know other people are using data? Okay, for those that are using data, we will continue and then you can catch up later, hopefully for the next 10 or so minutes. Verse 13, for if you live according to their sinful nature, you will die. Here's what I want you to think about. Don't you see a mirror? Caution in this verse. Adam, if you eat of the knowledge, of the tree of the knowledge, you will what? This time it comes in the New Testament in the light of living in the spirit or in the flesh. It says if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. Which death is this? It would be the second death. But if by the spirit you put to death misdeeds of the body, you will live. Are you there? So a few things I want you to ponder as we try to lend it for the data people. Have you come to Jesus? Are you born again? Okay, so here's the question. How did you come to Jesus? Did you come to Jesus on your own terms or on his terms? His terms, if you came to him, included death. If you want to follow me, you must die to self. You must do what? Deny yourself. Carry your cross daily and follow me. You cannot avoid dying to self if you truly have come to Jesus. In other words, it is likely that you came to Jesus without knowing the condition of coming to Jesus. Then, why did you come to Jesus? You must have come to Jesus to live. Why are you wallowing in death? Why is death gripping you so hard when you knew that, no, 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 I'm moving from that side. I carry it, but to live. As I carry my cross, I die every day. But I die to do what? To live. I'm not just uh, no. And in living, I know that I carry his death. Therefore, at any given point, I'm aware that whether by life or by death, I may bring him glory. Therefore, even in death, I will still do what? Live. Are you there, saints? So death will always bring us at the feet of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is there on that ragged cross where you and I were substituted by Christ to have a chance to, to choose him in death or in life. So here's a question that I need to ask you. Since you came to Christ, what have you found? I am blessed. Yeah, but the devil is stealing from you. I, everything we seem to claim, we lose it. Because we think we found that thing. If you came to Christ, you must have found Christ. And it is through holding to Christ Only you can hold on to any other thing that death can steal. Let me just answer this question. So what happens to death? I'm not going to try and finish the rest of the things. Let me just read. It says where we read in, we alluded to, in First Corinthians 15, I'm reading from verse 54 to 58. It says, Uh, So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then it shall be brought to pass. The saying that is written, death is what? Is swallowed up in victory. What is the eventuality of death? Death will be swallowed up. So death is not going to have a grip on us for long. Why does something that is temporal gripping us so hard? It says, death will be swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hate. I want you to remember there's death and hate. Two cousins, right? Hold hold in thought those two. Where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But, thanks be to God who gives us victory. Don't you like the interplay of words? Death will be swallowed in what? In victory. And thanks be to God who gives us victory. The victory that follows what? Death. Where is the victory? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Right? Let's read Revelation. Revelation is 20. I'm reading verse 13 to 15. It says, The sea gave up the dead who were in it, And death. Who's their cousin? Death and hate delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works, the dead. Then death and hate were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. I like it. Death. Was thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. Good death. If we were to put it. But death will die. That's what I want to say. If we were to put it in. Are you following? Because death and haze are thrown into. The lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone. Not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What is the lake of fire? Second death. So let's summarize the ideas that we spoke. All were in Christ before. And all were in Adam when they died. Right? So through the the sin of one man death came and death gained an all died to Christ when they died in Adam some died with Christ these are those who are born again they, we died with Christ and were resurrected I'm just summarizing what we say and then he says most will die in the body right not everyone you know that not everyone will die others when Christ comes, they'll still be alive and he says others will die to God eternally shall we stand up so <laughs> I'm aware that personally I am the, of the view that you and I must rise to life but I'm also aware that we are not at the same threshold of pain. You hear what I'm saying? Therefore, we are not all going to deal with death the same way. So, wherever you are in your faith, if death has traumatized you, go and seek trauma counseling. Seek help. If you have faced death, in one way or the other, whether you, were, you came close to death or someone, discover how you personally deal with pain. Because that's where the enemy is going to take advantage. If you are the, the person that deals with pain by bottling things, the devil is going to give you thoughts of death in your head that can make you suicidal. If you are feminist and you have faced death, seek family counseling because sometimes people we don't talk to each other about our pain because we all want to pretend we are fine sometimes what we do is we we don't want to talk to our loved ones because we don't want to start over their pain again you know that thing is a lie from the devil We are all in pain. Nobody just moves forward. We only handle it differently. Does that make sense? So if you lose your mom, don't say, I don't want to remind my siblings. The essence of healing is to be able to speak and take out the thorn that death brings so that you can all experience comfort are you there so this morning as we conclude thank you for allowing us to go more than we would have planned to I want us to pray firstly for those who are at home pray for your family because you are encountering every day men and women that are dead to God and it is to that death that we must pay greater attention because if we can save anyone from the first death the spiritual death then we don't have to worry about their physical death nor their eternal death so what is being born again being born again Is rescuing anyone from the first death and that's our mandate so here's what I want us to do if you are here you are not born again I'm not gonna ask you to lift your hand but I'm gonna ask you that as you pray you must say Lord Jesus this morning I know I am dead to you I'm separated from you therefore I come to you in repentance I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I understand as I accept you. I accept what? Life. Eternal what? Life. But for you and us, I want us to pray this very short prayer. Pray it in any manner that God leads you. That God must make you aware of the life in you. So that your thoughts, so that your your abilities are exerted to activate in that life. Because the anointing is for life, isn't it? We are life people. We we, we possess resurrection power and resurrection. Ask God, God make me aware of it so that I can pay the proper attention. So that in any manner death comes my way it will find jesus fortified in my heart and death jesus can and he will defeat death wherever and whenever he needs to provided we magnify him as life in the face of death is that okay so let's pray that simple prayer heavenly father we thank you for jesus as life We are surrounded by death. Death of loved ones. Death of dreams. We are surrounded by sickness and diseases. We are surrounded by everything that the death of Jesus on the cross overcame for us and redeemed us from. Now Lord, open our eyes. Strengthen the resolves of our hearts to pay attention to Jesus as life. For only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the bread of life. Jesus is the light and the life of man. Whoever believes in Jesus, even if he may die, yet shall he live again. Yet those who live in him shall never die. For is both the resurrection and the life. I ask. Oh, Father, your mercies for each and every person in this place and those watching to pause and say, Jesus, you are my life. My life is is hidden in Christ Jesus. In you, Jesus, I live, I move, and I have my being. Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus be the meditation and the preoccupation of my heart so that out of the abundance of my heart where you are ruling as life will overflow the declarations of my mouth I will speak life and not death in my mind I will think thoughts of life and in my actions and in my behavior Lord i will put to death the works of the sinful nature that i may live father we want to live we want to live in this life for your glory and we want to live beyond the grave and we know that death will be swallowed up in victory and death and hate shall be thrown into the lake of fire preserve and save us from the second death we pray Father, we thank you. May your grace, O oh Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and your fellowship, O oh sweet Holy Spirit, rest and abide with us and remind us of this way of life. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen.